0: Hi there folks, and welcome to the premiere installment of Telltale One-Shots. One-Shots is a new format for Telltale, very much like our classic series, it's all about bringing you fantastic tales and mixed drinks you can enjoy alongside them. As ever, these drinks are inspired by the stories we'll be telling, and they're all available through our website at telltale.co.uk, that's T-E-L-L hyphen T-A-I-L dot co.uk. So feel free to pause us, head on over and check out what we've got on offer. We'd like to say a huge thank you to the team at Sipsmith Gym for collaborating with us on this project. We could not be happier to feature their London Dry Gin as the primary ingredient in our cocktail for today's story, The Devil in the Fog. If you're curious about that drink, stay tuned as we'll be giving a full rundown of what went into it and explaining how the story inspired it a little later on in the episode. Today's story is that of spring Jack, a phantom who menaced the streets of London during the 1800s and grew to be a unique amalgamation of both fact and fiction as you'll hear later on. Jack embodied the hectic nature of the city at the time and was never far from the collective conscience. As such, he's become ingrained as a bit of a staple of London folklore. With all of that said, it's finally time to begin our story. So make yourselves comfortable, pour yourself a devil in the fog, and enjoy as we recount the mysterious and terrifying events which surround Spring-Heeled Jack. It was a deeply foggy night on Bearbinder Lane in London. The people who passed one another on the street were all but invisible. The lanterns they carried floating through the gloom like will-o'-wisps, guiding weary souls through their evenings. Jane Alsop was preparing for bed in the house she shared with her father and sister. Having donned her nightie and slippers, she was about to retire for the evening, when the bell on the gate began to ring. Bleary-eyed, she headed to see who it was, shuffling through the hallway and growing a little nervous at the insistent tolling of the bell. Jane opened the door and peered out, but was unable to see through the haze who was calling at such a late hour. Sorry to bother you, ma'am, claimed the voice at the bottom of the garden, but I'm with the constabulary. You see, we've caught that frightful Springhill Jack fellow, but it's mighty hard to see and we could do with the loan of a candle. The name was familiar to Jane, just the previous month she'd read an article in the Times about the villain. Being the very start of 1838, London was still in the grips of Murphy's winter. A vicious cold snap which had seen the city plunged beneath 15 feet of snow, the air reaching a balmy minus 16. The Thames itself had frozen over, and the frost fair was once again in full swing atop the ice-covered river. Merchants, vendors, and all manner of entertainers were setting up shop atop the now solid river and attempting to bring some levity to the bitter cold. It was amidst all of this chill and chaos that Jack had first begun to make himself known. The article had claimed that a devilish villain had been attacking women across London. Whilst this, unfortunately, was not an uncommon occurrence in the Big Smoke, details of this newest cretin were particularly unsettling. Descriptions of the creature had a very supernatural feel to them, and he was said to accomplish things that no man should be capable of. The menace had earned the moniker of Springhill Jack due to claims he could bound a dozen feet in the air. He was said to dress as a gentleman might, although wearing oilskins and a peculiar horned helmet. From beneath this helmet leered fiendish eyes which burnt with a furious red glow as though they held the very flames of the abyss trapped within. As well as being able to vault ten foot higher walls with ease, Jack was reported to be able to belch forth great jets of blue and white flame. His victims also commented on how his cold, clammy, corpse-like hands ended in wicked metal nails. It was these cruel talons which he had been using to tear the clothing and the skin of those he assaulted across the city. Suffice to say, all of these details had certainly put the fright in Jane Orsop. Surely this creature must have been an aspect of the devil himself. What a relief, said Jane to the black-clad officer. Three months is far too long for such a villain to have been active, and I shall help in any way I can. Weary, Jane stepped closer to the officer, now noticing that his back was turned. He must be keeping an eye on his colleagues and their dangerous captive. The moment her hand touched the officer's shoulders, he wheeled around to face Jane, his flaming red eyes leaving gossamer afterimages in the night and seeming to peer straight through her. Jane let out a shriek and the murky violet air of the evening exploded in a flash of light, a monstrous jet of blue and white flames surging forth towards her from the mouth of the imposter. Jane was stunned and began to stumble backwards, but Jack leapt at her, his vicious metal claws ripping and rending at her clothing. Screaming for help, Jane broke back towards the house. Stumbling and trying to focus through bright spots which still obscured her vision, Jane's panic retreat was cut short as Jack pinned her once more. Jane felt helpless as the beast tore at her arms and clothing. Mere seconds had passed when Jane's sister and father erupted through the front door, prompting the terrible assailant to bound back into the fog and escape. Looking down, they found the horrified Jane trembling and clutching at the jagged cuts that now appeared on her arms and neck. The assault of Miss Walsop took place on the evening of February the 19th, 1838, but this was far from the last appearance of spring Jack. Nine days later, Lucy Scales and her sister were walking home through the fog along Green Dragon Alley. As they walked, the pair happened to notice a strange hunched figure facing away from them just a little ways ahead in an alley. The two thought little of it. London has been no strange to peculiar characters ever since its inception, and the sisters assumed the figure to be harmless, if a little odd. However as they continued, drawing closer to the figure it spun on its heels revealing a wicked and twisted grin its lips pulling back into a manic snarl as its mouth opened, allowing a gout of blue and white flame to spew forth. Lucy was so shocked that she was instantly struck with a vicious seizure, leaving her writhing on the ground. Fortunately, her cries drew people from the nearby homes. As the locals dashed to the scene, they were too late. Jack had once more vanished into the fog. The seizures continued to plague Miss Scales after the event, and like many of the other poor souls upon which Jack had prayed, she was ever more nervous and skittish. In reports, both sisters described the assailant as having bright red pits of fire, akin to smoldering coals where his eyes should have been. They also reported him having worn the same gentlemanly attire that the Allsop family and previous victims had described. However, unlike the attack on Jane Orsop, throughout this traumatic event, Jack had never spoken a word, but instead, he'd soundlessly struck at the sisters before turning casually and strolling back into the evening fog. From there on, Jack's notoriety only grew, and similar assaults were reported over the span of 60 years, eventually garnering a response from the London Metropolitan Police as each incident moved the tale from unlikely urban legend to indisputable scourge on the city. The Mayor of London vowed action against Jack, and the issue grew so great that the Duke of Wellington took it upon himself to try and quell the fiend. Despite nearing his 70th year, the ageing Duke set out on horseback with some companions and attempted to rid the city of the blight. He was unsuccessful however, and Jack managed to evade capture, although the idea of a 70 year old duke clad in armour atop a horse, setting off to try and combat a phantasmagorical adversary is definitely one of the more incredible images of the tale. Forty years after the incident with Miss Allsup, the soldiers positioned at the Aldershot Barracks had their own run in with spring Jack, a soldier on watch reported seeing a peculiar figure dressed in gentlemanly attire emerging from the fog. The guard called out to the figure to halt and identify, however, the figure continued towards him unperturbed, until it was within only a few feet. The soldier raised his voice further, beginning to draw his weapon, when Jack began to slap him across the cheeks. The disbelieving soldier fired a series of shots at the phantom, although they seemed to have no effect on the assailant, and he was forced to watch as the devil bounded away into the fog. Two years later, and similar incidents repeated themselves with such regularity, soldiers stationed at the barracks were issued ammunition and ordered that the so-called Night Terror were to be shot on sight. However, yet again there was no evidence that the fogwalking walking wraith could be slowed or harmed, and the people of London were unable to apprehend the nefarious creature. Springhill Jack is associated closely with London, as the majority of sightings occurred within the city. However, he appeared not only across all parts of the capital, but also ventured north. Jack was spotted in Lincoln in 1877, where it is said that he was wearing an uncharacteristic sheepskin, likely to combat the bitter winds which whipped through the city. Upon discovery, a mob pursued the creature, firing a volley of shots which appeared not to hinder him at all, and the fur-adorned menace bounded away and escaped. In 1904, almost 70 years after his initial appearance, Jack made himself known in Everton in Liverpool, where witnesses reported seeing his iconic devilish aspect bounding along the cobbled streets. As in Lincoln, there were thankfully no reports of an assault, but the locals did get quite a fright at seeing this unnatural figure springing back and forth through the city, emerging and disappearing amidst the fog. The 1904 sightings in Liverpool marked the last recorded appearance of Jack, a less vicious swan song before fading once again into the haze. In spite of the absence of sightings since, however, There are many who believe that he plans to return, on a foggy night, to leap forth and attack and torment the nation once more. And that is the story of spring Jack. So, now you know all about the tale, this is the perfect time to talk about a cocktail, The Devil in the Fog, and how it was inspired by the story. To keep the spirit of London alive in this drink, we've used a range of products from the city itself. As mentioned before, the core of this drink is going to be Sipsmith's London Dry Gin, which is going to bring lots of bright citrus and floral flavours to the drink. London has its fair share of gin distilleries, however, Sipsmith is the one that we feel most fully embodies the spirit of the city, its unique style and its history. London has always had a particular affinity with gin, and for evidence of this one need only look at the gin craze which took place a century before our tale. Pairing the gin with the dry vermouth is a perfect way to reinforce and complement those wonderful flavours, In this case, we've selected Londinio's Dry Vermouth, a beautifully herbaceous match for our gin base. Combining gin with Dry Vermouth forms a martini, a drink known the world over and still regarded as one of the most discerning of cocktails, continuing to be admired in the stylish and competitive cocktail bars of modern day London and beyond. Our Londinio Vermouth also delivers aromatic and comforting anise flavours, which means it's going to work beautifully with Devil's Botany Absinthe. From London's debut Absinthe distillery, Devil's Botany adds a soft warmth in the middle of our drink. When diluted, Absinthe undergoes a process known as Lushing, where it forms a milky, cloudy fog capable of hiding our ferocious and fiery villain. To honor our villain's penchant for projecting forth great gouts of fire and his menacing flaming eyes, Jack appears from the fog in the form of a ginger tincture to bring a heat to the long tail of this drink. The firiness acts to warm the spirit in even the coldest winter snap, and serves as a reminder that one should always be on their toes when the night turns foggy. If you weren't able to enjoy our drink alongside the story, don't fret. All you need to do is head on over to Telltale.co.uk, pick up a Devil in the Fog cocktail, as well as a chance to look at some of our other drinks, also inspired by great stories from across the world. These include the Kachikachiyama box set three drinks, and an illustrated zine based around one of Japan's most fascinating folktales. All that's left is to say a huge thank you to everyone who joined us for this story. We hope you enjoyed learning about one of London's most notorious phantoms. And if you did enjoy the story, or have a suggestion for tales we should cover in the future, we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch via email at hello.telltale.hotmail.com or through our Instagram or Facebook pages, both at Telltale UK. You can also let us know you enjoyed the episode by leaving a review on your chosen podcast provider. Telltale One Shots will be returning again very soon, but until next time, be well, stay safe, and keep an eye on the fog.